This is Rugged Matrix America. Welcome, everybody, to the show. This is Alex Goff, and I am actually in a uh, rented business cubicle in the Salt Lake City International Airport. Having, waiting for my flight as we get out of Salt Lake City after the collegiate uh, Premier Division finals and, of course, the uh, high school and U19 finals as well. And uh, poor Pat Clifton is still over in Chula Vista reporting on the uh, men's club finals, so, so he's not able to come to the phone because he doesn't have a rented business cubicle. And in his own special personal rented business cubicle is Bruce McLean, who and man, I, I I think I'm tired. You flew the red eye. Yeah, actually, uh, I was in Utah. I saw Alex. I was in the uh, in the press box. Nigel Melville hooked up me and the rest of the Xavier coaching staff. Um, put us up there, so we got a little bit of food during the Cal game. Uh, yeah, it was it was. I, I flew in that morning, and I and I flew out that night. I flew in for the Xavier game in, in the morning, and I um, I had my kids' karate graduation on the on the Friday. So what I did is, is I called John Kelly, Seamus Kelly's dad, and and Timmy Walsh, who I coach at Xavier with, and I was like, okay, guys, if they win the quarterfinal, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a <laughs> I'm gonna have a go, and I'm gonna I'll book my flight. For a Friday arrival and a, and a Saturday home, I mean, sat, uh, yeah, it was Saturday arrival and, and Saturday home, and, and so I I did that, and then so I went. You're crazy. Went in there in the morning, went home on the red eye. I saw you. I think we talked for about. We were going to talk, and then you talked to Mike Tolkien, and I went down to Blake Burdett's box to hang out for a right. while, and I came back up. I had to chase down the 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 Jesuit guys as well, so um, that was that was part of it all. Is uh, you have to chase the winners, man. Yeah, no, and you were definitely the chasing the Jesuit guys after the game. Um, but anyway, they did. They deserve to be chased. They played great. Uh, wonderful program they got going there. They they really do. It was uh, um, it was it was really fun and exhausting. And 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 I think you're crazy to fly in, fly out in the same day. But um, I've done that too. You know what, Alex? If you have if you have children at home, which you know about, yes, it is so much easier, as we all say. Yeah doesn't matter what time you get home as long as you get home it's easier yeah. to deal with than getting home a little bit later possibly with a couple cocktails on your breath uh, <laughs> you know it, it, it's a lot easier to just get home on the red eye and and deal and and you'll be fine today yeah no problems I came home it was no problems if I got home on a normal flight there'd have been big problems yeah and uh you know you, yes you can just sort of hang out and uh it's a nice, nice sunday um but the you know the travel thing's a big deal for for every rugby person in terms of how to deal with it and uh you know there are, there are players who get out of work and have to arrive you know sometimes an hour 30 minutes before a game because they had something they needed to do something like that i was at uh, a goodbye dinner for Larry Gelwicks and his oldest son, Larry Jr., was unable to get there until the last five minutes because, uh, you know, a, a work thing. Client says he wants to have a meeting. Client has a meeting. Well, we had a, we had a lot going on. And uh, first of all, uh, Bruce, I want to I talk about the collegiate pr- Premier Division final. And I want to play something that uh, 
Jack Clark said after the game because I thought it was very interesting in in how he looked at the game and he, and he and and you'll tell by the by his uh by his demeanor by his his tone of voice he's actually in a pretty good mood you, you had the 21-7 lead. Yeah. They go score. Yeah. You're like, okay, you know, they're, they're only two scores behind. Yeah. They score and they convert it. Uh, and then they're 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 in near 22. For yeah. The, 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 the rest of the game, basically. No. Well, well, okay. Close. But, but they're in our half. They're, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a, a defensive stand you guys yeah. had that yeah. uh, was was a good one. Well, we we. Um we took away a couple balls is what we yeah. did. You know, we pushed a few line-out balls at the end of the game. I think we might have got, you know, I haven't seen the stats, but we might have got 10 for the day. I mean, we, we got a lot of their line-out ball. And, you know, four was their main jumper, and we sat on him, and we got a lot of that ball. And that, that really, really helped us. And then got a big tight head at the end of the game, and that yeah. was fantastic. Now, we, we were, you know, you know, less than perfect, you know, because you know, we missed touch on a penalty where we could have, you know, we had a chance to get down this half and two, three minutes left and just, just sit on the ball. Right and and uh, so we miss touch and then they run it out of bounds and they give us the beach at anyhow. Then we miss the line out. I mean, you know, you know, it's one of those games where you know we weren't perfect and, uh, and we just played our guts out is what we did and uh, and and they weren't perfect and they played their guts out and somebody had to win and I'm grateful it was us. Uh, big play, the uh, Seamus Kelly's try yeah. at the end. I mean, it's a team play, it's a team yeah. Yeah. team effort, but yeah. uh, that's that was a big play. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought we had a couple opportunities even in the second half, and and uh, to be fair, you know, I thought we were calling for the ball, but we just we just, we just couldn't clear a possession and move it. We had the wrong bodies up in the back line for their part several times. You know, just just big strong guys, and we were going to have some kind of quick fast guys on them and quick fast guys win that battle typically and we just we just couldn't recycle the ball they 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 used us up at the breakdown i mean you saw how physical they were and we had to commit a lot of people there and they you know they were able to really take us out of a lot of rhythm and and rhythm is what you need in order to get it you get your back line moving and uh uh, so you know it's stop and start right because uh because they're a good team and they you know they get two or three guys blasting in those counter rucking those balls and, and it's like you know you need seven in there you know yeah, just, yeah. Just, just to battle those guys against Sua who's oh, yeah, the, yeah, you know, yeah. three people and, and, and there were other guys some interesting runs out of your own end uh, from from Blake. You gotta hang James, on to the ball, yeah. you know. Gotta hang on to the ball. It doesn't do you any good to kick it to touch. And as I said, and now you give them a line out and you have to feel at some point, you know, it's risk reward. I mean, what what what's more risky to, to hang on to the ball? I mean, it's not as if you know we're still just trying to work our way down the field. Yeah. We're confident in our ball retention. You know, we were you know you know that counterattack stuff. We didn't lose many balls in the tackle today. When we had the ball, we hung on to it. They they were able to slow us down and take us out of rhythm but but you know we're, we're confident that we can run run the ball because we can you know we have good ball placement and we're we have guys that'll run to the ball good foot speed of the ball and and uh, we're able to recycle it so that was jack clark right after uh his team won 21 14 over byu in front of uh over 10,000 fans by the way and uh, about 90 percent of them were BYU fans, very loud, great atmosphere. Uh, I, I thought it was interesting, though, uh, Clark's uh, uh, his, his tone of voice, his attitude afterward, um, acknowledging that his team was less than perfect, which is I, – I think it's hard for any coach at the pinnacle of their season, at, at the, the, the game when they really think they should have all their ducks in a row to say, well, you know, yeah, we, we won – but it was it wasn't the greatest performance, and they, and they didn't 
miss some lineouts. They did give the ball away at certain times. They did make a couple of little errors, but at the same time, BYU are kicking themselves very hard for making probably more errors. Well, when when you look at the game, you got to remember when when you're playing quality competition, your game's never going to be perfect. And I, and actually, you strive to to play the perfect game. You strive to have the perfect preparation, and you strive to execute fully. But you understand that you're playing against somebody, and and honestly, probably for the first time this season, they came up against an opponent who was fully worthy of of the game. And 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 in reality, I want I want to say I want to say one thing off the bat. Uh, the game was very clean. At least I I didn't see the TV version. I only saw it live. Um, and and then I. But after my comments last week about some of the things that possibly needed to get cleaned up, I didn't see anything in a game that was highly charged. Also, and I got to I got to give kudos to the BYU program for being class. I was in the airport going on the red eye with um, the Union New Jersey under 19s coach, uh, Coach Ross, and he they had nothing to do when they got there, and they and they called Dave Smith and asked to, to visit BYU. And and BYU really welcomed them in. They they took them in. They showed them everything. They they showed the kid, let the kids watch practice and all that. And then afterward, when Dave had the coaching staff with uh, him and Kimball and his staff, the the kids took the U, the BYU kids took the Union New Jersey kids, and and they played touch with them. And so they were getting to play touch with essentially wow. superstars yep. of American collegiate rugby. And to him, he's like, you know, we we played a national championship, and while that was great. He, that this was the highlight of their weekend. I mean, and to me, that shows that it's a class organization that really was. It 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 really is what rugby is all about. Because that's a great story. A, Union, New Jersey, or or the Westfield, Scotch Plains, Cranford area, they're going to go to BYU. I mean, essentially, the whole area is Catholic or or uh, you know some sort of. Uh, Protestant or something. So, I mean, they're not going to go to BYU. And they really took them in and they treated them very well. Got to say, Alex, you said there was a 90% BYU crowd. I <laughs> 200 people there don't want a cow to win. Um, and, yeah, that's and that true. Crowd, 90% that would crowd, leave 1,000. Yeah. They, 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 it, it was very loud. It was very partisan and a very good crowd. As I was walking out of the stadium, you, you know, they were really into the game and they were totally like, hey, you know, we had our chances and we lost. And it was interesting and it was awesome to see the crowd talking in terms of we. We, yeah. we, we. Yeah. Like, you see that in, in professional sports. You see that with the New York Giants. You see that with the Yankees. You see, it, It's nice to see it in collegiate rugby that people were saying we. And, not, and I didn't know any of these people. They were, you know, I don't know that they were rugby people or not. I, there was a lot of people there that were not rugby, and I know that there's been some comments, and you got to clean up your comments on your site. Yeah, uh, we're working on it right now. Racism there, um, but your, but but there were uh, there were some comments that people there had to be people. They, there was people saying, "Oh yeah, it was all the high school game." Hey, look, I was at the high school games. I was. <laughs> this was pure, unadulterated interest in the college premier division final. The high school games, the high school divisions did not have even 
a, even a significant percentage of this crowd. No, that's, even, that, that's right. I, I was. It was an I, empty stadium. I had expected that the that there would that the high school would be driving the attendance for that, and I looked out for the. This is Highland United. This is both Utah teams, and there was a good crowd there. But I looked around and said, "Well, if this is, if this is the crowd for the college final, that's kind of a shame because the the far side, which is the east end of the the ground, I believe, uh, was was empty. It was just the just the near side for us had had fans in it. And then suddenly you turn around, and the 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 two sideline grandstands, the the end zones were pretty much empty, but the two two sideline grandstands." were, I don't know, two-thirds, three-quarters full. I mean, people spread out. There were people everywhere. And they were there for the college. They were there for the college. Yeah, and they were absolutely there for the college. And the only reason the tri-zone on the the northern end of the stadium was was filled with – they had seats there, but it was also filled with a lot of shops and stuff like that. So a lot of people went in that. A lot of people went to those things. Either way – Terrific! It was Absolutely terrific. Absolutely unbelievable. One unbelievable. thing about one thing about yeah. this and about the comments. Um, one of the comment, uh, a series of comments on uh, rugbymag.com uh, said that there was a fight among fans outside the stadium after that game. I was I was there. I was there until eleven o'clock, and there were several people there until eleven o'clock. I, I talked to a lot of people about it. Nobody saw anything. No police were called. No ambulances arrived. So if there was an altercation among fans uh, or somebody, you know, of course, somebody's going to have a few too many and, and say something stupid somewhere. I'll just say that I didn't see anything at the stadium or outside the stadium. They didn't have anything there. They, they, I mean, because I certainly didn't die trying. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if I couldn't find it, it wasn't there. So um, I'll tell you that. So I, no, I didn't see. I didn't see anything nasty outside either. I, I will say, BYU played a lot better than I thought they would. Than I actually thought they had possible. I know that you, you, me, and Pat were betting last week before the game. I was given ten and a half points. Right. Pre-game, I and no, I didn't have any takers. I thought the Cal played really tough, but I thought that that BYU really disrupted the play. I, I BYU was a very very worthy opponent, and 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 I was speaking to Nigel Melville in the press box with you, and and I was saying, man, I'm Cal has to keep this game two scores ahead. Mm-hmm. They have to yep. have that that buffer of okay, make BYU have to force the game. Because if BYU feels that they can get into a, if they feel like they're within striking distance, they can be really dangerous. And 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 it, and in fairness, when BYU scored that try and it was twenty-one-seven and it turned to twenty-one-fourteen, they certainly had their chances to win that game. They did. There was a there was a line out right around the twenty-two that they went on a short line out and they they dumped Vamahi in. Vamahi was in at the uh, scrum half position and he jumped in to grab the ball. Yep. That that play was on. It, 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 I, I'm not saying it would have been a try. He'd have to work for it. But had he caught that ball, two, three, four steps, he's he's well into that 22. Something's going to happen, and he dropped it. I asked David Smith about it, uh, BYU coach, and, and and David didn't want to really say, oh, you know, we we could have done something with that play or anything like that. He he didn't want to point fingers at something. But there was there was an opportunity, 21-14, that you think, okay. This is something they can launch out of it, and 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 they they misfired, 
and I think you can't misfire that many times against Cal and come away with a win. Uh, I, I would say I want to say a couple of things that I impressed me about Cal. They shut down Ryan Roundy pretty effectively. They did a really nice job there, and you know we we talk about Cal as a calculated team, a team that plans their moves, and they do. But that doesn't mean they don't show um, some exciting athleticism. And Dustin Munn and uh, James McTurk and especially Blaine Scully running the ball out of their own end rather than kicking because they didn't want to kick away possession was was really impressive. They, the number of moves they put on players, the, the number of guys they made miss was just, uh, was just really fun to see and, and, and exciting, exciting to see that kind of quality. Yeah, I had wished Cal had taken a, a couple more, more chances in terms of that because I, I, I thought that BYU was missing a lot of their first up tackles. And I thought that Cal was kicking a lot out of their own half off a of set-piece possession. But then again, there was a lot of pressure involved in this. And so, you, you know, you, you're really a mistake away from seven points. So I get it. And and it, and, and it was a calculated risk on both ends. Um. I thought that the, I thought those guys played great. I thought that I, th- I thought BYU played great. I thought I thought that the late scrum that Cal had was brilliant. I would oh, question yeah. the I would question the tactic of BYU's three man lineout. Uh, I know that there was a little bit of blame on the thrower. <laughs> you know, it was difficult to to throw into that and and you know the the Barrett to Barrett um, lineout that Cal had that was. Danny Barrett was seemingly their their uh, primary jumper, and it just was seemed to be off by just threw the timing off a little bit. Yeah, uh, Neil, Neil Barrett said they'd worked in some new lineout moves, some new lineout calls, and it just didn't quite take. Which was, well, uh, you know, that, I think that's a function of the fact that every game is on video, and they know they're being scouted, so they want to uh, put in a wrinkle. Well, when it really comes down, and I'm I'm, I'm going to stop the tactical thing and, and and just go right into the fitness and commitment of the players on both sides, was terrific. Unbelievable. As a fan, I felt like I was at a very, very legitimate rugby event. I would like to give kudos to Cal as champions and kudos to BYU as champions. And and to their fans, they gave us a terrific rugby event. I I was so excited to be there at the College Premier Division final. It was one of the best experiences that I had at any event in American domestic rugby. And I'd also like to give congratulations to Seamus Kelly for a great game on defense. And I thought that he had a good try. And as a Xavier man, I, I really <laughs> thought that there it was... It a big was, try. It was an important try. Well, it was the game winner. Yeah. But um, the... That all said, those teams were great, and it was just – it was one of those games somebody had to lose. I, I thought the Cal was a better team, but I'll tell you, BYU punched way above their weight in my book. And I thought that BYU played better than, than I thought they were capable of playing, and I thought that uh, – I thought the Cal gutted it out. I, it was it was just a great day. Great game of rugby. Enough said. They yeah. were awesome, and it was. You it was. See it on ESPN. You watch it. You really should. You really should see it. And I, I, I hope they re- replay it because it really showed the game in a good light in a lot of ways, and showed people there are fans who come to see this. And, and I really hope you know, 
where where there are fans, hopefully money follows. Uh, we, we wasn't the only final that day. In fact, we crowned uh, four national champions on Saturday. Uh, Highland High School uh, in Larry Gelks' final game after 35 years of coaching. Uh, sorry, 36 years of coaching Highland High School. Uh, he, he's leaving the team to go run a uh, Mormon mission in Fresno, California with his wife, Kathy, who's an extremely nice person, by the way. And uh, they won. Uh, they beat United. And, and it was funny because for the first 20, 20 minutes, I think most people who watched it would say it was not a very good game. I think uh, Highland were supercharged. They, they wanted to go out in a blaze of glory against, uh, against United, against their rivals, for Larry. And they, they, just, they were dropping balls. They were making mistakes, losing the ball in contact. Uh, United scored first, and and Highland was pressing after that. It's you know, you've seen it a lot where where a team falls behind, they don't expect to fall behind, and they start trying to score a 14 point try. It wasn't going to happen, but they've eventually settled down, and and they have some players. They really have some some players with a capital P. There's just some really great athletes, especially in the centers, for them, and uh, you know the the guy. He's he's not an he's not an American qualified kid, unfortunately. Uh, his name is uh, Josh Faagalo, and uh, um, he was once he started catching the ball, he was unstoppable. He was big, very fast. He was their inside center, and their outside center, uh, Anthony Lavemai, was also very very good. Um, and and Highland ended up winning it late. But there was if there was a talent that came out of that game, actually it it's on the United side, and there's a an outside center that they have who scored two tries and he has one of those long loping strides and you you don't think he's really running all that fast doesn't look like he's trying then suddenly realize he's by you and his name is Kisi Unufe and he is a local uh Salt Lake City kid he is American qualified and uh Salty Thompson, high school All-American uh, coach, was watching it and had a big old circle around that kid's name. He is green. He's incredibly green. He's hardly been playing any rugby, but um, a, a absolute supreme backline talent. Uh, so congratulations to Highland. Highland uh, did deserve to win. They were overall the better team. Uh, the the physicality, uh, Bruce. You've been, I mean, you've been involved in high school and under nineteen rugby for a long time. Uh, and, and maybe you can comment on the Xavier game on this level, but the physicality on that Highland United game was was astounding. And some of the some of the clear clear outs there. If you if you are in that kind of game, and you pop up after making a tackle to try to poach that ball, you better be absolutely ready because if you're not completely ready for that contact, you will be suddenly find yourself lying on the back looking at the sky. Yeah, they were. It, it, you know, you got to remember that's a local derby and the national championship at a at probably the top stadium that's not a football stadium in Utah. So, I mean, everything's on the line. Yeah. And if anybody wanted to ruin Larry Gelwick's uh, end, it would be United. And so it was. It was you know it was a terrific game. And then. And yes, there was another game that day too that <clears throat> was played between Xavier and Jesuit, and I happened to be uh, I happened to be uh, involved in that 
game in, in as part of the Xavier coaching staff, and and then I uh, and I and I just and I just had to, and I I got to say that Jesuit was a terrific rugby team. They really were. I I thought that Xavier played. We had nerves and stuff, and yeah. the Jesuit really you know put us off our game a little bit, and and actually put us off our game a lot. But we were able to have sustained pressure. We had to earn all of our tries. I mean, we earned them. I mean, it was there was multiple, multiple phases of stuff. Nothing came easy. But when we made a mistake, it was bam, Jesuits down our throat again. That's right. Bam, Jesu- and, and you know, I mean, when you really look at it, I mean, we're seeing, you know, Xavier saw the future of Cal rugby because that's where Cal. <laughs> It's a lot of their players is Jesuit rugby. MVP of the game is going to Cal, right? Matt Chipman is the MVP of the game. He's going to Cal. Chris Fry was the captain of the team. He's going to Cal, just like uh, two of his brothers have gone before. Well, and in quickness on that, saw Eric Fry at the game. Yes. He looks terrific. And and I heard he played very well in the camp. And I I hope that – I hope that America has found a prop. And Eric Fry, if you're listening, the New York Athletic Club would love to have you as a prop. <laughs> but we'll we'll talk about that in a uh, hopefully a private conversation. Yeah. I ran into Eric. I, he he didn't seem to really want to talk about himself. He was quite happy just to talk about Chris and, and how well his his little brother played. Um, it, the the way I remember it in in my notes, it was uh, 1917 uh, Jesuit was leading right at the end of the first half. Xavier is inside the 22. It looks like they're going I mean, I was writing down, okay, so it looks like uh, Xavier's going to go into the halftime with a lead because I think they're going to score. At, at the very least, they're going to get a penalty. And then you look up, and uh, 90 meters later, it, Jesuits scored. Yeah, you know what, Alex? That happened four times during the game. Yep. And, and it can't happen. And, and you know, we... Jesuit had a Jesuit had a yellow card in the pack. We wound up playing seven on seven, and we were down fourteen points with ten minutes to go. We're knocking on the door, and we have a scrum. But you can't put an eight man in. The ball comes squirting out, and you know they play our scrum half, and then another guy picks up the ball. They go ninety five yards. That was it. Game over. And, and there were, we we had a couple of we kept coming back. You know, getting ourselves within striking distance, and then Jesuit would do something that made it game over. Yeah, Jesuit would do something, and and we were a young team. They were, they, you know what? They were better than us. We played as well as we could, and at the end of the game, at the end, we all we all had a meeting, all of us together, and and we said that it's the first Xavier team that ever went to two consecutive finals. That's it's true. The, it's it's a, it's a Xavier team that punched above its weight and overcame real adversity early on between injuries and weather and things like that, that got ourselves into a position to play for a national championship. And that we knew and understood after the game that Jesuit was a better team than us, but that we were proud of each other for the effort we made and that we were all in it together and we'll be lifelong friends as all Xavier guys are. I mean, I, I played on the 85 uh, national championship team with Mike Tolkien, Timmy Walsh, and Joe Sweeney. Those are four of the coaches. And 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 Vinnie O'Grady, who was on that team, had a son on this team. So I mean, we are still 
30 years later from when we went into school in 1981, you know, we're still close friends. And that's what Xavier Rugby is really about, is about the friendships and the effort. And the victories kind of take care of themselves, but you don't get, you know, we understand that, hey, you're not always going to win, but you can always give it your best shot. And I think we went out pretty, you know, we went out pretty good. And uh, <laughs> in fairness, Jesuit was, I mean, they, I said to Mike and we all said together that we had to play the perfect game. We had to get all the calls and and, and it just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> they they were a good team. Yeah, they were, they were, they were very good. And uh, uh, yeah, just, just really, really impressive group. Um, and, and congratulations to Xavier for getting there and, and, uh, Xavier had had to battle through a, a little bit. Had lost some early games twice to Gonzaga. Gonzaga still looked good, but they were hammered by Jesuit. Ended up going into the third fourth game against Charlotte Catholic and uh, fell behind seventeen nothing and ended up winning nineteen seventeen. Uh, Charlotte Catholic is one of those teams. It, it it used to be in high school rugby if if you got teams from the south, you know it was great for them to just be there, but they really weren't all that strong. In terms of uh, on a national level, Charlotte Catholic was a very, very good rugby team, and they were they were big and strong, and they, they knew how to play. Well, you know what? I think that now Mike Tolkien is going to come on to uh, a future show, and we had discussed this. He had discussed it with uh, with me a while ago, and then you had discussed it with him the other night. That we're going to come on, and we're going to talk about the importance and the explosion in high school rugby, and how we need to have people start coaching, and we need people to step up and say, yes, I'm going to take control of that program. So we'll, we'll have that on a future show, but that is yeah. a very important thing. And I think that that's what Charlotte Cat, that's what, that's what the Charlotte community is doing. That's what the Utah community is doing. That's what the California community has done over the past 30 years. It's what needs to be done in New York. It's what needs to be done in Philly. It's what needs to be done in DC. Yeah. There, there's a, there's a sprinkling of programs, but we need to have as, as we said, if we have 10 in each state that are as good as Xavier, and that's not difficult to do, you have 500 programs that are quality, and you have a chance. Yep. Yep. And, he, and the, the desire to chase after Cal and the desire to chase after Highland, and I think maybe to a lesser extent the desire to chase after Jesuit because Jesuit and Xavier – uh, Xavier was actually, a, you know, as you said, a national champion in, in 85 beating Highland. That was a huge upset back then. Jesuit really came on a little bit was later. Was it an upset then? It, it actually uh, wasn't. Um, yeah. Actually, hi, the upset of it was Highland beat Burlingame. Mm. Oh, that's right. Burlingame was great. And, 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 and um, so it was, it was Highland's first foray. And, and and we had tied Highland on a tour earlier in the year in Utah on a fourth game of our tour. So, it, yeah, th- there was La Marinda, and La Marinda was one of the top sides, I think. And, and, and there was a lot of stuff going on. That's it, right. It was that, uh, diff- different era. Different, different era. era. But the desire to chase after these these top regular winning teams is what gets everybody better. Because they go and they play and they said, we thought we were good. And then we got flattened by these people. And uh, we we need to get better. And let's find out. And let's and the thing is, if you call up John Shorey and Fred Kasigian at Jesuit, if you call up Larry Gelwick's and uh, Haloti uh, over at uh, Highland, or if you call up Mike Tolkien and Bruce McLean and you ask questions about what do you do, how do you organize your team, uh, um, you played us, got any suggestions, any thoughts, they will help you. 
They're not going to hang hang up on you. They will help. They want they want the games to be better. They want everything to be tougher. Absolutely, no question about that. There's no question about it. Yeah. And 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 you look and you say that while Cal and BYU were certainly the class of the college premier division, that these games started to tighten up. Yeah, life played Cal tough. Arkansas State played BYU tough. You know. Um, so these and and I and I think Utah didn't play Cal as tough as they may have had they had a home game against Army or Navy and I and I think that uh, having that traveling and coming back I, I that was a to me kind of a foregone conclusion but some of the, these teams are starting to get better and it is great to see it is. I love it it really is great to see well let's get into another uh, another league. That had its final in 95-degree heat <laughs> down in Atlanta, hot Atlanta. Yeah, it um, does not sound pleasant, does it? No, it wasn't. And, and, I, and, I, and being the loser that I am, I watched it on Life's website. I watched the, uh, I watched the game today when I got home in the morning, and I, and I saw it that the, on their webcast they have a – you can go to the archive videos and check it out. So it was it was a hard game. I mean, I think that, that both of those two sides, they were, they were clearly the deserving sides to me, undefeated and gone through, and, and I think they were deserving sides. And I – Golden Gate just has that explosive firepower, and boom, they had two quick strikes. And life was dominating the game, and two quick strikes in one minute, and it's 14 to 6. And I, I thought life had early pressure, and they, got, they really didn't get any tries. And, and to me, it seemed like they were drawn into Golden Gate's game instead of just having consistent pressure. They tried to force a couple things. And when Golden Gate turned the momentum, they had, they had a line out off a penalty. They ran pattern rugby to a score. Then they kicked off, and I don't know what Pat Danahy was thinking. He must have been five yards off sides. And, and then it was a scrum center, 8-9-15, that, you know, that actually Danahy poorly defended and, you know, slight wheel. And, you know, they, and it, really, it really destroyed the game for life at that point. And then late in the half, they're down 17-9. It's not – a lot of time left on the clock, and they had a very kickable penalty. And Aaron McMaster is a very capable kicker. And they went for the try, and they mm-hmm. missed. Now, in fairness to life, they they the, the the mall got pulled down, and it was illegally pulled down, and it should have been a penalty try, possibly even a yellow card, or at least a penalty or something. But it was an illegally professionally foul pulled down. You see two two Golden Gate guys coming out on the floor on the other end, and 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 life came away with nothing. But if they had done any analysis on the referee, they would have known that he really doesn't call pulled down scrums that often. You know, I mean, you know, we lost some games this year because of that, and 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 you know, Golden Gate did it twice, and and life came away with nothing, and and life. Came Consistently went to that tactic, and and they didn't they weren't coming away with the points that they needed to come away with from it. 
And like I said, Golden Gate did it twice badly. Not, but they did it twice really badly, and life came away with zip. Yeah. Now there's a there's a spot in in there was a sin bin on uh, Danny Lapp's Danny Lapp Ravat for um for something, and then so I, apparently a, a substitute center von Rensburg from Life dropped a try. I didn't see that. That got cut off tape, at least in the in the other. But I will say it was a tough battle. They were the two best sides in the league. And the other thing I'll say is the West Conference has to be extremely weak because Golden Gate was wiping the floor with everybody. Yes. And, 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 you know, compared to the Eastern Conference, it wasn't even the same. Now, in fairness, you could have backed back yourself up five or six years, seven years, and it'd be like – the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference is not even the same. <laughs> so, yep. Well, there was constant complaining from the uh, Western Conference guys for years saying we have to play in the West and it's not good. And, you know, I, uh, we, we, could, we could put out a, a old age home residence in the East Coast and, and they would win. You know, they would say stuff like that. So I, 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 think, I think it's quite possible I, uh, to, to say that. I, I think it's reasonable to say that the West Coast. Well, you know what? Is struggling. And, and I want to I want I want to say something else because I was talking to Troy Bartley, who I am not uh, ashamed to say is still my favorite player ever coached. But but he um he's the tight head prop from New York Athletic Club, and he said oh, we're the only Eastern team to ever win, meaning the AC. He goes, it's got to be a mental thing. It's got to be mental. I don't know why these teams don't think they can beat these guys. And I said, uh, I, I think we are the only Eastern team to win a- after the Super League went that after the Super League didn't have a Division One champion. That's which right. Two thousand one. Right. Two thousand one would have been the last year. Two thousand one on. I think that the AC is the only Eastern team to win at that point. Right. Uh, Life had won, when, won in 2000. But there was also, there was also a real Division One champion and all the Super League right. teams played in it, and, and that was the championship everyone wanted to win. The Super League championship in 2001 became – that was the one that everyone wanted to win at that point. So, yes, we, we are the only team that would want it. I don't think it's mental. I do think they were – I do think in general they're better. And, and as I've said on previous shows, I, hey, we got lucky, and maybe it is mental, but we did get lucky in, in our championships. And, and, and then you look this year, like Golden Gate got lucky. Absolutely got lucky. Mm-hmm. And, and when Belmont beat Chicago, they got lucky. And not, no, Sorry, I'm back beat Chicago. They got lucky. You know what? It, these games have been very close, and it's just sometimes it, – you know, you just need a couple breaks to go your way. There haven't been enough championships to say like who's who, but, but this was a you know Golden Gate in life is has proven itself over over two championships in in, in three years to become to be a a very uh, a very difficult game to play and and you know the semifinal last year was a was a tough one too. I would like would like to have had that game. Played in front of a bigger crowd. Yeah, you know what? Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll again. We'll talk about all that stuff in a further show because there's a lot of issues in Super League that we got to address. Congratulations to San Francisco Golden Gate. 
Yes. Congratulations to life. It was it was it was a difficult circumstances and and San Francisco it always pays to have firepower. You guys played terrific. You played your guts out and you scored when you needed to and um you know and hey having been on the AC we uh we essentially scored a lot of points in a short period of time in all of our finals and just got momentum and, and rode that wave and that's how we won three times. So Golden Gate didn't do anything we haven't done so I'm not going to criticize it. I just um I I think that we we have to do something to coordinate ourselves and make and and especially since the Eagles are leaving next week, we thought they were leaving this week. They probably could have been a third round of playoffs. Yeah. But that all being said, nothing we can do about it. <laughs> and let's move on. Well, let yeah, let's move on. Uh I I We'll talk about the Division One playoffs, club playoffs next time. We're we're still right in the middle of them, and and they're wrapping up. And we can we can discuss a little bit about uh, um, how that goes. I think really wait, yeah, until the final four. I mean, yeah. that's when that's when it really comes down. To it. We we haven't we don't give as much time to the, even even the top level games at, at and and this and so we're we'll get to it but and we'll give everybody the love they deserve because that'll be the rugby that's being played at that yeah, time yeah what one thing i wanted to just touch on um as as we close up is uh uh the college premier division had a had a coaches meeting on friday night and they talked an awful lot about branding and marketing and and things that they'd like to see happen and and, and i think that the final uh, as we talked about, went a long way to perhaps giving some ammunition for people to 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 do a little sell job and talk about what a great game this is and what a great competition this is. Uh, one of the other things that came out was that we we do have some teams dropping out. Uh, Tennessee, LSU, and Dartmouth are for sure dropping out. And uh, on the fence are Claremont. Alex, Texas, Alex, is that official? Davis. That's official. All right. Yeah. The last I heard, it was only Tennessee, and I heard uh, rumblings of the other, but I didn't know they were official. Uh, Tennessee made it official. Official. They released a a, a, um, a press release. Uh, multiple sources from the meeting uh, say that uh, Tennessee, uh, that LSU and Dartmouth are out. That is confirmed by some other work that we've done. Uh, and then Claremont Colleges and UC Davis are, are trying to figure it out, and they've got a deadline, July 1st. They've got to decide. So um, it's uh, it, that was going to happen. We knew that was going to happen. Somebody was going to pull out. Maybe it was because of money. I think uh, actually it's it's more about what competition they want to concentrate on for those three. Um, but it, it doesn't help if if you're not – winning an awful lot of games and you think you can win in a different competition that everybody on campus cares about. On the other side, people asked me, well, is Wyoming staying in? Because Wyoming got beat pretty bad. And Wyoming is staying in, and there's a couple of reasons for that. And one of them is that uh, head coach Rich Cortez does not shy away from a challenge and is quite happy to, to be challenged by the college premier division. And the other reason is they don't have anywhere to go. The uh, the Division One teams in the in the uh, Wyoming, Colorado area are all moving down to Division Two. If Wyoming dropped out of the College Premier Division, they they wouldn't have a competition that would want them because nobody from say Texas would want to be flying up to Wyoming 
to play away games. They would be all alone, so they have to play in the College Premier Division at this point or move down to D2. And I don't think they want to move down to D2, so I think what we're going to see is a uh, massive rebuilding effort, and hopefully in a couple of years we're talking about the great resurgence of Wyoming rugby. Well, I think that um, what you said there with regard to Wyoming is very similar to what happened and what happens and what happened to a lot of clubs in the Rugby Super League is that if you leave, you have nowhere else to go. That's right. And so it's kind of like a double-edged sword. You don't want to be in, but you can't be out. And if you're out, then you lose everything. And if you're in, you're spending a lot of money to get killed. And you could take the approach of, of Philly White Marsh Washington pack and just say, all right, I'm out. Or you, you could take the approach of Boston Rugby Club and say, okay, we're not out. We'll deal with it. We'll weather the storm and we'll fix it. Um, you know, I would always take the tact of the Boston Rugby Club as opposed to the the rest of them. But, you know, hopefully... Well, well, Boston could have pulled out and they had a division, a, a relatively robust Division One league to go into and yet they didn't. And that's great for them. And then you look at Old Puget Sound, which really doesn't have anybody play. If they pull out, what do they... Get? Well, they can go play in, in British Columbia, but... But the, the amount of effort it takes to play that all the year round is, is just enormously hard. They wanted to play uh, domestic rugby. They also knew that if they only played in, in British Columbia, uh, players who might want to be seen by national teams would be reluctant to play for them because what national team coach is going to watch a British Columbia game on the off chance of seeing one team maybe has some players? So that's why they need to be in the Super League. Well, we um, I, I think that does it because... My my flight is going to be boarding soon, <laughs> so I don't think we have a choice um, uh, on that. But, uh, Bruce, it was great to see you, if only for, what, 10 minutes? Yeah, I mean, well, we saw each other for about two yeah. hours. Yeah, but right. We, it's uh, like, hey, yeah. But, but we spoke for about – we spoke more <laughs> in the banter at the beginning of the show than we spoke in the entire yeah. uh, time we were there. But I, I will say, Alex Goff – works very hard when he's covering a game. He's sitting there watching that game, typing away exactly what happened. It is unbelievable. He's like got his computer and it's all, almost like he's doing a, a, a blow by blow with a game. So I was pretty shocked at that. I thought he'd be taking a couple notes here and there and meanwhile I was just talking to my friends. Yeah, I, well, my, my, my handwriting is so atrocious I may as well just start typing. That's what it comes down to. Um, it it was fun. I really enjoy it, and uh, um, yeah, it it can be a lot of work, but uh, I'm not complaining. I do want to say one thing. I want everybody, if you can, please listen to Rugga Matrix uh, or Rugby Mag Coach Talk. I I did an interview with Simon Hardy this week on the lineout and the lineout throw, but the the full aspect and the lineout. And we're going to speak to leading coaches, and if anybody has any people that they want to talk to or any any uh, that they want us to talk to or any topics they want us to cover, we will take a look and try to get some of the best people in the world to talk to us about it. That is exactly right. So we will have uh, Rugby Matrix uh, Coach Talk on RugbyMag.com premiere section. Check out the RugbyMag.com premiere section. 
And we will also have uh, some Rugby Matrix interviews that will be available on RugbyMag.com regular and also on the Premiere section. Check for those. Don't forget that you can download uh, Rugby Matrix America from iTunes. Go to the I- iTunes uh, uh, app store and, and, and you, uh, you can download it from there and listen to it on your MP3 player. And don't forget to also check out the Rugby Matrix International show, which is – a lot of fun. So, and we also did a, a Rugger Matrix show. I don't know what we called it, and I don't know if it's been put up yet. With Louis Stanfill, who was a member of New York AC, a champion, Jesuit, a champion, Cal, a champion, and the Eagles, hopefully a champion, but highly unlikely. Um, maybe a Churchill Cup champion, right? And that, and that, I think that's com- coming up soon. So look for that this coming week. Um, and and don't forget to check out Rugby Magazine Print Edition. Check out RugbyMag.com to look for that. And finally, do not forget June 3rd, 4th, and 5th, the USA 7's Collegiate Rugby Championships at PPL Park and Drexel University for the women on Friday. PPL Park in Philadelphia. Uh, check out USA 7's CRC.com. And that does it. Um, I think my flight is boarding. For Bruce McLean and for the absent uh, Pat Clifton, who's still typing away, uh, this is Alex Goff saying thanks for listening to Rugga Matrix America. Mm-hmm.